Okay, I want you to open your Bible, Matthew 6.33. I want to carry on about the kingdom today. And uh, I'm just enjoying so much being able to just share some things about this. And so I want to just pick up where we were last week. And uh, I want to share some fresh things just to get you thinking a bit. And I know it'll get you thinking a bit. I took quite a bit of time to think about it myself. And uh, really, really good. But of all the messages I ever heard that changed my life significantly, apart from coming to know Jesus, understanding about the kingdom of God was like, a, it was like the lights went on and my life changed. It changed in so many areas at once. I was absolutely staggered. And so I look back at the message and I can't figure out what was in the message that made the difference. All I can think it was day was the day when God turned my lights on. And I, I just trust that over these next few weeks, God will turn your lights on because it will change how you live. And uh, so the way, we need to see the way we view something or see something affects how we relate to it. The way you look at something or your attitude to it then determines how you will connect with it. So when we hear about the kingdom of God, or when we hear about Jesus and his authority, how we see kingdom and how we, our attitude inside will affect how we relate. And, of course, the dilemma for us is we were all, we've been raised and we live in a western part of the world, which is a wonderful thing. And, of course, the governing principle through the western world is democracy. So when we come to approach the things of God, we approach it, and the way we approach it is we think out of democratic mindsets. In other words, what we're used to experiencing is our norm, and we don't often stop to check whether what is our norm is actually what God has in mind. And so over today, I want to show you some things just about the difference between democracy and kingdom, and I want you to think not just in terms of getting a bit of useful information. I want you to think in terms of, is this how I think? Is this how I run my life? Is this the way I operate? Do I operate uh, with a democratic mindset trying to advance the kingdom of God? So when we hear, for example, teaching on the authority of Jesus and a whole series on authority, every kind of issue we've ever had with authority will come up in our mind. And all kinds of issues will come up and questions, but they will be solved, most of them through the course. The issue, of course, is that if I want to fulfill my mandate, what God called me to do, I must have his authority and power to do it. So what we're doing in teaching on the kingdom, this whole series of undercover, it's not to put a burden or try and make it life hard for people. It's to give us understanding so internally we can be positioned to see God's blessing in a greater way. For example, if you have a child and uh, there is a demonic spirit troubling the child, a doctor can't fix it, a teacher can't fix it, a psychiatrist can't fix it. What is needed is a superior kingdom to come and displace it. And you are authorized to do it. In fact, a little later I'll do a session uh, at some stage just on what we are authorized by the Lord to do on his behalf. And you'll be quite surprised what you're authorized to do. Of course, whether you do it's another thing. Whether you do it's another thing. So like, you know, if the prevailing atmosphere in your home is mainly demonic, then whether you do something about that's up to you. You just decide whether you're going to live in the kingdom blessings or whether you decide where you're going to live under what you're used to. But we don't have to accept what we see we can bring God's heaven, we bring the kingdom of heaven into earth and change it. See, so we need to see that. We are agents of change. Now, a little later at some other time, I'll just talk to you a little bit about the difference between religion and the kingdom. They're massively different, again, in the, in the thinking. 
And what you'll find is when we look at that, you'll find that for some, the prevailing mindset is a religious mindset. In other words, it doesn't originate in God. It doesn't originate even in the Bible. It just sounds good, looks good. We got used to it, and we think that's normal. And we've not stopped to check it, whether it actually is biblical or not. So what I want to do is just talk about the kingdom. And uh, so we saw last week... Uh, what we got into and looked at was we saw Jesus preaching, Matthew 4, 17. At the beginning of his message and the whole of his message was about the kingdom of God. So right from the beginning, he spoke, repent, the kingdom of heaven is at hand. And all his ministry, if you've started to read through the book of the Gospels, you'll see it's all about the kingdom. How many of you started to read it and look for that? Okay, there's a couple. It's probably why I've got to do a series of about four. Right? I actually asked you to read it again. And look for what the Bible plainly says. Because if you don't look for it, you won't find it. Okay then? And the second thing we saw in Luke 9, uh, and we saw there in verse 2, that the disciples were sent out, and Jesus gave them the message they should preach. They should preach the kingdom of God. So from the beginning of the Bible to the end, all through Jesus' teaching, he was preoccupied about teaching about the kingdom of God. So we should have an understanding of it. We saw in the book of Acts 28 verse 31, Paul preached the kingdom of God and the things concerning Jesus Christ. So when you look at the whole thrust of the New Testament, it all is about the kingdom of God. Jesus announced it. He demonstrated it. He taught about it. He taught the principles of it, taught how to live it, empowered people to preach it. And the whole of the New Testament is about the kingdom of God advancing. And uh, so that's, it's, that's why it's so important. Now, Matthew chapter 6, verse 33, verse 33, he says, Now seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added to you. So Jesus made it very clear that the priority, the first two priorities we should have in our life once we're a believer, number one is to seek first the kingdom of God. Number two is to seek his righteousness. We'll just explain them. The kingdom of God literally refers to a realm or an area where a king rules. It's the governmental rule of a king. So it says, first, above everything else, seek that God's way of doing things becomes established in your life. That's probably the simplest way to describe it. Second thing is, seek his righteousness. In other words, that means seek to learn from the word of God how to position yourself so the blessings of God can come into your life. Just because you're a Christian doesn't mean God's blessings become realized in your life. You have to position yourself for them. So it says, seek number one, to understand the ways God operates and, and how he has directed for life to be run. In other words, seek first his rule, his ways being established on the earth. And then secondly, seek to position yourself in your personal life so that you can connect with him and can draw upon what he's made available for you. So, for example, all can prophesy, but many don't. But all can. All can pray for the sick, but lots don't. All can cast out demons, but most don't. All can see God's blessing released, but most don't. All can have prosperity in their life in various levels, but a lot of people don't position themselves for that to happen. So positioning has to do with our understanding how to come near to God, how to approach him, how to live in relationship with him, and how to overcome the constant barrage of accusations the devil puts to put us down. Because if I'm put down and I don't know where I stand, I can't release heaven into the earth. So next week I'll, I'll share with you about the kingdom mandate. 
In other words, what God has given to us. Now, we want to look today, I want to just look at this issue of government. We'll go and pick up. I, want to lay, I have to lay just a couple of things out first before I can talk the difference between democracy and the kingdom. But let's just go into Genesis 1.26. So if you could just give me just a few minutes to just lay out just some simple things. And that, that they are evident, but if you don't have the background, it does make things, you don't get the big picture. And once you get the big picture, it'll help you understand a lot of stuff perhaps you've wondered about. So, so first of all, we read Genesis 1 verse 26. Uh, God said, let us make man in our image according to his likeness, and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, the birds of the air, the cattle, all the earth, every creeping thing. Let us make man in our image and likeness. Let us make man a spirit being with God-type qualities and let, well, let us put him and give him dominion over the earth. Now, not dominion over one another. That's why we don't want anyone to tell us what to do. We're not sort of made and wired that way. We're made to have dominion over the earth and we're made to be in relationship with God. So we find it hard to have anyone tell us what to do. But man was made for dominion, made for authority to rule over creation. So God's intention was very simple. He had, he had created all of heaven and in heaven his presence fills it, his character fills it, his nature fills it, his authority fills it. It's a wonderful place to be. Then he made earth and earth he made earth that kingdom of heaven might be extended into the earth. And so he created man to be his agent, to represent him, and to bring heaven to earth. And you can tell that he's done that because, number one, he gave us the mandate. You've got to bring heaven into earth, bring dominion there. And secondly, he created us in his own image and likeness, a spirit being. So we're quite unique. We can access heaven, the realm of the spirit, because we've got a spirit part of us. And we can live in the earth and do things in the earth because we've got a human part of us. So that makes us a wonderful creation. Psalm 8 says, What is man that you are mindful of him, or the son of man that you've created him, to have dominion over all the works of your hand? So you are made for dominion. You are made to win in life. You are made to advance the kingdom of God. You are made to have an influence in the earth. You are made for your life to count for something eternal. That's why if you live for the moment you'll always feel empty and needing your next fix. We are made for eternity. We're made to bring heaven into the earth. So if you work in a business, you're designed to bring the resources of heaven into the earth and to touch the lives of every person you do business with and interact with, including your employees. If you're in a school, you're designed to bring something of God's presence into the school. If you're in the school, that is God's purpose for you. If you don't fulfill his purpose, you'll follow the crowd. So wherever we are, we're called to bring something of heaven into earth. The big thing is how to do it. So let's have a look at a few things. First, I want to get this real clear about this. So we see here that the first one who came up with the idea of dominion was God. So God realized that the earth would need bringing into order, that in order for things to work, there would have to be some form of government. We hear the word government. Some of you will have very negative thoughts. Okay? And you'll have negative thoughts because of your experience and your opinions. See? But government isn't bad. Government's necessary. Just consider for a moment if there's no government. If there's no one setting rules on the road and everyone drives the way they like, the place will be very unsafe. If there's no one setting rules about what behavior is acceptable, not acceptable, and, and, and there's no authority and power to enforce that, your life will be extremely unsafe because people can break into your home and take what they want when they want. 
If there's no government to provide uh, some kind of organization, the society breaks down and becomes chaotic. So no matter where you are in the world, people need government. We must have government. We understand government is God's idea. There must be government. It came from God, who's a king over a kingdom. So when God created the earth, he said, for man, man will have dominion. They'll be my representatives, have dominion. Now, the problem is, of course, is what happened when Adam fell. Now, the core of Adam falling, the core of his sin was very much was this. Because when I use the word sin, you think of drunkenness and, and uh, you know, all kinds of wickedness. But, you see, actually, the core of sin is just saying this. I won't have God to rule over me. That's the bottom line. You can come to church and still live a sin-filled life because you're saying in your heart, I don't mind coming to church, but I just don't want God to rule over me. I want to be in charge of my own life. And that's the core and the heart of sin. Everything springs out of saying, no, God, we're saying no to you and no to your government. We've got a better idea, and it's we'll govern ourselves. Or what the, the world puts it like this, I'll do my own thing. I'll do my own thing. Eh? And uh, it says in, uh, in, uh, in the last part of the book of Judges, says because there was no king, everyone did what was right in his own eyes. So the core of sin is I'll do what I think is right for me. Get the idea? And see, wh- when I start to bring these things out in the open like this, you'll realize that these paradigms and thoughts dominate our way of thinking. And if we're going to live and walk in the, in the fullness of what God has for us, we need to change how we think. So it's no longer, I do it my way. And you'll see why in a moment. You'll see that comes fully out of, not only out of the sin, but also comes out in another area of the democratic way of thinking. Let's have a look in Luke chapter 4. I want you to see something that happened in Luke chapter 4. Luke chapter 4, I want you to read it in verse 5 and 6. So let's just look at the, at the fall of man. Now we're going to look at... Uh, at um, we're going to look at Jesus being tempted. Now, remember that Jesus came into the earth. He announced the kingdom of heaven is here. Then immediately after he was filled with the Holy Spirit and anointed, anointed for this mission of advancing the kingdom, immediately he had a season of prayer and fasting, and then he was tempted by the devil. Now, notice what the devil said to him. Notice these words that the devil said to him. He said to him, uh, verse 4, he said, uh, verse 5, the devil took him up onto a high mountain and showed him what? showed him all the kingdoms of the world at one moment. So he was actually transported in the spirit or physically up to a mountain, and the the devil, using the power he had, was able to show him all the kingdoms and their glory. In other words, he was able to look into the realm of the spirit and see the kingdoms of the earth and their glory. Whether he showed him the kingdoms that have been and are coming, I don't know, but certainly he he showed him kingdoms. And we've been there and seen some of those kingdoms. And the Roman kingdom at the time of Jesus was unbelievably magnificent. Unbelievable buildings and organization. It was a massive kingdom that influenced the whole of the earth. It had conquered, subdued, and colonized the known world. It was an amazing kingdom. And Jesus was shown all the kingdoms of the earth. And this is what the devil said. All of this power and glory will I give to you, for it's been given to me. And I can give it to who I like. Notice what he said, it's been given to me. Where did he get it? Okay. He, he didn't get it from God. He got it by overthrowing the man God put in and gave that authority. So when the devil said, 
all this authority, all this dominion, all this glory, all this power to be able to build such kingdoms has been handed over to me by God's representative who declared independence. So where did the devil get that kind of power? It was given to him by Adam when he seduced him and overcame him and Adam yielded up and said, I won't do what God wants. We have hardly any concept of the level of power and glory and dominion that Adam walked in. See, we tend to think of him just like us, but he hadn't sinned? No way. He was covered with the glory of God. He had unusual and unbelievable power to be able to change things and make things happen and to move about the earth. And and it came because he had access into the realm of the spirit, the second heaven. He could govern the earth with the power God had given him. When he fell... He lost his glory, he lost his power, and the devil picked it up. And so now, in the realm of the spirit, there are wicked spirits temporarily occupying that place. So when you ask why we've got all the problems in the world, simple. The man God gave the entrustment to, let him down, declared independence. Now the devil's got a hold of it for the, for the time being. But God's intention is it does come back to his people. His intention is it comes back to his people. His intention from the beginning was we have it. So at the moment, the devil is a usurper, and he occupies the realm of the spirit. The devil doesn't occupy hell. He occupies the realm of the spirit, interfering and controlling and manipulating the affairs of nations on the earth. And God calls us to rise into that place and to do what, what Adam failed to do. Well, just think about this. See? And Jesus said, no. He said, it's written that uh, you worship the Lord and serve him alone. So Jesus was tempted. He was tempted. This is what the temptation was. Listen, forget the cross. Forget all the hard route. Just bow down to me and I'll give you the lot. I know that's why you've come here. He tried to short circuit Jesus' ministry and say, take the easy road. Take the easy road. Look, if you just bow down to me, I'll hand it all over to you, which of course he would never have done. He would have actually then sabotaged God's plan to uh, bring the kingdom back and wrestle it out of the hands of the devil. Okay, we're getting the idea. Starting to get some concepts here now, see? So what happened when Adam, uh, Adam and Eve refused the government of God, they refused, and they wanted to establish their own. So the result of that was three things. I mean, lots of things, but let me, three things. Number one, demonic powers began to rule over and create chaos on the earth. That's the first thing. And the Bible says, Ephesians 2.2, 2, the devil now works, uh, and the, the world follows the same course, under the power of the prince of the power of the air, that spirit that works in children of disobedience. Or essentially saying this, the chaos in the world is caused by a spiritual power and people responding to it. Okay? Second thing that Adam lost. So the first thing that consequence was chaos. Second thing is he lost his government. He lost his government. Or second thing was actually lost his relationship. And so what he did was then he substituted religion for relationship. I'll look at that a little later. He put... And so religion is men trying to find a way back to God, and that's all the place in the world you go, you find religion. The third thing that he lost was government, so he had to invent his own. So see what he lost. So first of all, he lost his authority, and the devil got it and created chaos. He lost his relationship, so therefore now he's to substitute something for it, which is religion. And he lost his government, so he's also got to substitute something for it, got to create some form of government. And so all the governments that you ever see in the world are a substitute for the true government of God, the kingdom of heaven. And the ultimate thing, all governments will fail and the kingdom of heaven will be established in the earth. It's, it's the full message of the Bible. 
Okay then, so what kind of governments do we see? You can probably think of a few governments, and uh, we can think of some. In the Middle Ages, of course, uh, <coughs> uh, you go right through the, and you find generally they form under these kinds of things. They form under a dictatorship. Dictatorship is where one person considers themselves superior to everyone else, and they rule, uh, rule and they literally rule over everyone. Everyone bows down to them, and usually whatever they want happens. And so you can think of all the dictators that rose up uh, under different regimes, but all of them have one thing in common. All they wanted to do was just increase their power, their rule, and, uh, and use people to get where they wanted to get. So uh, 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 you find that. So the, then, of course, you have a thing like uh, monarchies. You find uh, we've got a monarchy, but it's actually a powerless monarchy. It's only a figurehead monarchy. And so long ago in the Middle Ages the power of the monarchy was removed because the monarchy failed and instead of blessing the people, it oppressed the people, so they stripped the monarchy of its power. Okay, Cromwell and all of those people. Okay, and then you have a look in, the, in, in this uh, century, there's been the rise of communism. Communism also seeks to take the power away from a ruling elite, so it took the power away from the Tsars and put it in the hands of the people so that the people could govern themselves. And, of course, what happened was in the end, if you look at communism, you just change one tyrant for another. You just get a whole ruling class of other people who say we're equal, but they're not. Uh, then you find there's things like socialism. Socialism also att attempts to put power back into the hands of the people, and uh, so you have various forms of elected government, but the government then takes care of the people. Now, to take care of the people, you've got to give up your rights. And our government is moving from being democratic to being socialist. And so there you get that term nanny state, where the government is taking over the running of everyone, and so we've got to keep you safe, we've got to make sure you don't hurt yourselves, we've got to do this for you, we've got to do the thinking for you, we'll look after your children for you. And actually the philosophy is a socialist philosophy. And the government is... Now, of course, for a government to be a socialist government, they've got to persuade the people to give up their responsibilities and authority. And progressively, they've done that. Okay, get an idea? So then we get down to democracy. Now we can have a look at uh, democracy and what it is and uh, then see how it differs. Because we're used to democracy. We can't see the emergence of socialism. But uh, let's have a look in Philippians 3 and verse 20. Why don't you have a look in Philippians 3 and verse 20? Philippians 3 and verse 20. When you get born again, look at this. Look what it tells us. Philippians 3, verse 20. When you are born again. When you are born again. Okay? It says, our citizenship is in where? Our citizenship is where? Uh, citizenship is in heaven. Now, that, that word citizenship means a native or naturalized member of a state who gives allegiance to its government and is entitled to its privileges and protection. I'll read that again. A citizen is a person who is native or has been naturalized as a part of a state or country. He gives allegiance to its government, and he's entitled to its protection. Okay? That's a citizen. So what are, what are we citizens of? Citizens of? Heaven. Heaven. What's your, where does your citizenship? Where, and you know that's why Jesus wrote your name there. He wrote your name on the, not the electoral roll, the kingdom roll. Hey? Put on the electoral roll, you get to vote. Put it in the kingdom roll, you're part of a family. Get the idea of the difference? So when you got born again, Jesus wrote your name, and your name is recorded that you are now a citizen of heaven. If you're a citizen of heaven, your first loyalty is to the king. Because it's a kingdom, not a democracy. It doesn't have a president over us. It has a king over us. Hey? 
has a king over us. Uh, okay, so we are part of, so the kingdom that we're part of has a king, it has protocol, it has laws, it has a culture, it has principles, it has values, it has authority, it has, power, it has all kinds of things, and you and I are part of that. You are born to be part of that. Now, we're also New Zealanders. So as New Zealanders, we belong to New Zealand. We're either born in New Zealand or naturalized in New Zealand. And now we're also part of a democracy. So here's the interesting thing. Our primary allegiance is to a kingdom which is not from this world. It's from heaven. But we live in a democracy which we're called to represent the kingdom interests in. Any idea? It's sort of straightforward, isn't it, really? So, because the problem is you get confused and think democratically about the kingdom of heaven. Then you've got a real problem. So we live in a democracy, but we are truly representative of a kingdom. Now, of course, what happens is over the course of history, if you have a look at the history of the church, the church was called, and we'll look at this in its manner, the church is called to advance the kingdom of God. And this brought it into conflict with the state regularly through history. So why did the first... Christians get martyred because they said there's another king, his name is Jesus. And they say, and, and, the, and, the, and the government said, there is only one king, his name is Caesar. Bow and worship Caesar or you die. And they said, we will serve only one king, his name is Jesus Christ. We'll not bow. So they died. Now, the same thing happens around the world, exactly the same thing. Whether it's communist or social, it happens all around the world, same thing. It ultimately boils down that the conflict everywhere is about who will rule. Okay, now, having got that, let's have a look at democracy and the kingdom. And, and what I want you to do is I want you just to begin to think. We're going to describe under a number of areas. <clears throat> I picked about six or seven. But how the thinking and mentality is different. Now, currently, you are either thinking democratically or you're thinking and you've modified your thinking to your new nation, which is in heaven. Okay? okay, then. So what I want you to do as you go, as we go through these things, I want you to think how your thinking operates currently and what really prevails, whether you are still immersed so much in the culture of New Zealand and the democratic style and our ways, or whether you have actually immersed yourself in the new place you're a part of where you'll spend forever in. It's one day you'll leave New Zealand forever, but you'll enter your citizenship in heaven forever. Eh? So you really want to know about where it is you're going to spend forever in and learn how to operate there. Because the one we're in now is only temporary. Any idea? All right, now let me get, what I did was to make it easy to follow, I put it under uh, just some simple headings, so, uh, uh, which address different areas of life, and then we can just have a think about them, think about each one. There are heaps of scriptures. I've just chosen one to give a, a representation of it. Now, number one is ownership, ownership, ownership. So the key issue is ownership. Now, we're going to look, we're going to contrast democracy with the kingdom. And then again, I want you to think mentally, just very quickly, which way you think. All right? Ownership. Now, in a democracy, one thing is really important in democracy is the protection of the rights of the individual to own property. See, the communists take it away because power rests in the land. So ownership is important in a democracy, individual rights. So uh, in, in, ever, in other words, what I own, I rule over. So in a democracy, I own my land, I own my house, I own my car, I own lots of things. Got the idea? I own it. Because I own it, I rule over it. If you're the owner, you can rule over it. That's the prevailing mentality. Now, of course, in a kingdom, a kingdom's a lot different than that. 
See, in a kingdom, the king owns everything. That's what makes him the king. See, in the old days, a king owned all the land, and so he let you live on the land, and you just gave allegiance to him. And if you wanted to fight a battle, you fought his battles. But you didn't own anything. The king owned it. Now, think about this. If you've made something, you're the owner. If you have purchased something, you're the owner. If you created something, you're the owner. Now, the Bible says in, in, in Psalm 24, verse 1, Now, the earth is the Lord's and everything inside it. So what does the Bible declare about who owns everything? You go through it all over. In Haggai chapter 2, he says, the the silver's mine, the gold is mine. God made it all. He owns it. You're breathing his air. You're walking on his ground. You're using his resources. You're using up his stuff. Come on. Who owns it? God does. You don't own it at all temporarily you get to use it, then you die, and they divide it up, and someone else has got it. And then they die, and someone else has got it. It's definitely not permanent. But what is permanent is it belongs to the Lord. He made it. He owns it. Now, we don't see it under his, we don't see his management as that, but he's definitely the owner. Now, if I'm the owner, then I can do what I like with it. But if I'm not the owner, I'm a steward of it. Okay, then. So, are you the owner of your life? Yes, you are. But you're part of a kingdom, so you've got to decide whether you're an owner or a steward of your life. Do you own your car, or own your house, own this, own that? Well, do you own it, or are you part of a kingdom? If you're part of a kingdom, he owns it, and you're a steward. So you've got to think, how do I run my life? Do I run it like an owner, and I own it, do what I like? Or do I run it as a steward, and I look after it because it's there for someone else's use? And I've just got temporary ownership of it. Your bank account, is it yours or is it God's? Your house, is it yours or God's? Your finance, every part of your life, is it yours or God's? Your children, are they yours or God's? You see, you've got to decide the issue of ownership. Your business, is it yours or is it God's? If it's yours, good on you. Worry all you can about it. (laughs) If it's God's, let him worry about it. You just follow what he says to do. If it's yours, worry about it. If it's God's, don't worry. Trust him. He's responsible. you just got to be a good steward. Required of stewards, a man be found faithful. In other words, that we be productive with what we have. So are you the owner or the steward? Uh-oh. Think about it. Okay. Now, the second thing is, another area we're going to look at is the area of, now I could develop each one, but it's going to give you a few thoughts to get you thinking. And already what you'll find is, is that most of us are so ingrained with democratic values and thinking that we actually continually are sabotaging our life with God because we don't think right. See? So if I don't own anything, see people say, I lost my wallet and all the credit, everything like that. You know, I didn't worry at all. Some people, it would ruin their whole holiday. I not worry at all. Just carried on. Carried on, enjoyed my holiday. Didn't worry about one little thing. Just rang up, canceled, carried on with the holiday. You see, for some people, they lose it their whole life is in a mess and a turmoil. Because why? Because they're the owner. And therefore they have to worry. Jesus said, don't be anxious. Seek first the kingdom. Seek first the right mentality about everything you got. God owns it. If he owns it, let him worry about it. I'll enjoy working with it, using it, being a blessing with it. I'll be a good steward of it. Good, isn't it? eh? Okay, here's the second one. Authority. Oh, this is a word we all hate. It's a very difficult one. But actually, authority is the, is the legal right to rule and make decisions. 
It's a lawful right to make decisions. So authority is really important. So what you're responsible for, you have authority over. If you are, uh, and so uh, we need to see. Now, here's the difference between a democratic uh, way of viewing and then uh, a kingdom way of thinking. Now, in a democracy, the source of authority is the people. In a democracy, the source of the authority is the people. Power to the people. People get to vote in who they want. And so authority that the government has comes from the people, and the authority is given by the people to someone who will represent them. So you vote someone in, and they can't just do their own thing, or they're not supposed to. They're supposed to actually represent you. And if they don't do what the people want, then they are breaking down democracy, because democracy is the power is in the hands of the people, and the democratic government is a government whereby the people who rule over are the representatives of the ones ruled. That's the whole thing about democracy. In a kingdom, of course, king rules over the whole lot. That's what makes it so different to a democracy. In a democracy, the authority rests with the people. In a kingdom, it rests with the king. King's got total charge. Can't argue with him. He's in charge. Disagree, throw in jail. Uh, God never works like that unless you disagree with him over the area of unforgiveness. And you'll find, interestingly enough, he says he'll deliver you over to the tormentors. How about that? Think about it. Just think about it. Think about it. You'll start to see Scripture in a totally different light when you start to understand the kingdom. So he's a king. He is a king. Okay, then. So the source of authority is the people, and the, and the authority is limited by the law. In other words, there are certain laws that the government can't do anything outside the law. Hence, we've had the last few, a few years some all these scandals where government representatives who are elected broke the law, therefore they had to be called to account. You see, they just can't do what they want. If they did what they want, become a dictatorship. Okay? And so they're delegated authority to represent the law. Now, here's the thing. In, in a democracy, the source of authority is the people, but in a kingdom, the source of authority is the king. King's in charge. He does what he wants. Uh, in a democracy, the authority is limited by the law, but in a kingdom, it's unlimited. He does what he wants. he got the power to do it. He owns it all, and he can enforce it. So God's power is unlimited. That's why Jesus said, all authority in heaven and earth is given to me. I got all. I got all the authority. Who's got all the authority? Jesus got all the authority. Does it look like it? No, it doesn't look like it. Don't be deceived. He's still got all the authority. He's still got all the authority. You see, in a, in a democracy, a delegated authority represents the law. So when you see a policeman, he's there to represent the law. So if they come and break into your house, they break in in the name of the law. See? But in a kingdom, the delegated representative represents the king. See? So if you, are you a delegated... So you've got to realize now that you are delegated on the earth to represent the king. And how do you represent the king? Well, in the name of Jesus. It's not a little prayer you add on, you know. It's actually all about a position. You're representing someone coming on his behalf to enforce the kingdom lifestyle in the earth. So when you come and cast out a demon, only one way to get him out, how does it? The name of Jesus and the power of the Holy Ghost. So Jesus said in Matthew chapter 11, Matthew chapter 12, he said, if I cast out demons by the finger or spirit of God, no, the kingdom has come among you. So deliverance is a man representing the kingdom, carrying not only the authority and right to represent him and act on his behalf, but also the anointing of the Holy Ghost, the favor of God behind him. Now you've got to see yourself, you're called to be like that in the earth. We're called to carry the nature of Christ, to carry his anointing and authority, and to bring change in the community. 
Religion teaches all about going to heaven. Kingdom's all about staying on earth and making it change. Come on, think it through. Think about it. Think about it. See, so authority. So authority in a democracy, it rests with the people. So you vote in who you like. You don't like them, vote them out. But you can't vote God out. Churches can and do. They vote God out. They do. They just vote out the Holy Spirit. How do they do that? They just resist the Holy Spirit, vote God out. I'd just be scared to be in that church that says we're a church, we represent Jesus Christ, we voted him out. God was overruled by 12 to 2. <laughs> the board met. Okay then, so, here's <laughs> so let's have a look at, at government and ruling, how, how ruling is done, how government is done. And uh, notice uh, it's, uh, and in, uh, in, in a democracy, you govern by consensus. So if you want to govern in a democracy, you know what you've got to do? You've got to have committees meet and find out what everyone wants. And so consensus is how you govern. You govern. Consensus means we get people to agree. So we find out the opinions of the majority. And so in a democracy, it's the rule of the majority. See? See? So you govern by consensus. In the kingdom, he governs by decree. See? Not by consensus. See, for example, if Jesus operated by consensus, the greenies would have caned him for cursing the tree. And the animal rights people would have caned him for putting the demons in the pigs and they all died. But he didn't ask their opinion. He just did it. Because he had authority. Because he was the one who created it all. So he didn't wait around for consensus he governed without consensus. He was here to announce something different. Not the consensus of God or the democracy of God. Actually, the kingdom. So he says to the tree, ha, die. And it dies. Says to the bread, increase. And it increases. That's what happens in the kingdom. It operates differently. See? Whereas in a, in a democracy, you've got to have a meeting and find out what everyone thinks. We don't agree. Majority don't agree. We can't do it. So we vote God out. See? See, see, so in a, in a democracy, personal opinions abound. So, you know, anything happens, everyone's got an opinion. But in the kingdom, you don't have opinions. See, in the kingdom, whatever the king's opinion is, is what's your opinion. Oh, that's getting to you. I can see that, see? Because we're so full of opinions. We are riddled with opinions. Decisions made, we've got our opinion. Here's a simple thing. If you're not responsible for it, don't have an opinion. It's real simple. So someone asks, what do you think of that? I don't think anything. Why not? It's not my responsibility. See, having opinions leads to gossip, criticism, every kind of negative thing. Because it doesn't come out of the kingdom. See, what my opinion is, what does God say about it? Well, that's my opinion. Oops. See, I can see it radically pushing on the way you think. Because our thinking is dominated by the world. dominated by the democratic mindset. So we have opinions. I've got opinions about how to raise kids. got opinions about everyone's got opinions. What does the word of God say? What does God's word say? Well, that's my opinion. Wherever we can get agreement on that. And one of the guidelines I found is if I'm not responsible for it, I don't have an opinion. So they say, what do you think about such and such a ministry? I don't think anything. I just found it real easy to say, I don't have an opinion on it because they're not my servant. They're a servant of God. He's, he's the one who have the opinions. Ask him. 
In due course, he'll show what it is. See, so what happens is, of course, church gets full of opinion. And so what happens is, well, I don't agree. I don't agree. So then, blah, 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 blah. And then what happens is we bring that, that democratic mindset into what an operation of the church or operation of the kingdom of God. There's, there's room for discussion. I, I believe we should have unity, and I believe there should be teamwork. But you've got to understand the prevailing thing is that sometimes someone just says, this is how it'll be. That's how it is with Jesus. As I found it, I don't have opinions about a lot of things. Just ask him what he says, and he gives direction. You know? You know, if you ask God for guidance, he doesn't sort of come back and say, what's your opinion? Did you get on the phone and check out half the church? What do they think? Well, they think it's okay. Well, it must be okay then. See, he didn't think that way at all. He says, this is what I'm telling you to do. But, 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 but. Do I hear that democracy coming up again? This is not a democracy, didn't I tell you? You know, you see, you understand with God, he gives direction, gives decrees. He said, that's how it's going to be. That's how it is. So when, you know, for example, and once, of course, if he's got ownership, then, of course, you don't have to worry about it. You don't have to make lots of decisions because many of them he's actually able to direct you in. He's responsible to direct you in. So when it comes to direction, see, I didn't want to leave teaching and go out and run a Christian school. The Lord said, I want you to do this. So then it's all boils down, is it my opinion or his? Or I just say, Lord, what you want. Like, that's why Jesus said, your will be done. Of course, we can have opinion about all kinds of things. But I encourage you to not be so opinionated. Be sure you've got God's mind on things. Okay, then. So, and, of course, when is, uh, when is the issue of government that way? Of course, what happens is the majority opinion rules. Of course, the majority uh, starts to, uh, the majority can be influenced by a minority. So the minority groups with self-interest. So what you find in a democracy is self-interest becomes prevalent. And gradually, over the course of a period of time, self-interest for small groups, starts to have a vocal and a vocal and a vocal and a vocal. And then before you know it, the majority are forced to come under what has been decided by the consensus. And so it, it, it breeds self-interest, whereas the kingdom is all about the king has, is a benevolent king who has a heart for his people and their welfare. Interestingly enough, there's a lot of people have criticism about Singapore and its government. I suppose there's plenty of reason. But I notice that their mindset is not fully democratic like ours is. Their mindset is, we're the trustees of the nation, so your rights actually have to come into a line with what will be best for the nation. Interesting. People who are full of democracy always object to that. And that they say, oh, you're taking away my rights. No, 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 we're just making you more responsible. And, uh, okay, so there's another thing then, is uh, the issue of, oh, that brings us to the next one, personal rights. Personal rights. And, of course, in democracy, the rights of the individual are important. And in the West, the rights of the individual become so important, it's been at the expense of the community. In the kingdom of God, the rights of the king and his family are important. So it's all about the king and what he wants. In, uh, um, and so in self-interest prevails uh, in our situation, of course, where we just have personal rights, whereas uh, we, in the kingdom of God, there's a king who cares about his family. See, God cares about people. It says in the, in, in the kingdom of heaven, it's not about selfishness, it's about serving. So Matthew 28, 20 and verse 28, uh, 25 to 28, Jesus said, in the world they all just lorded over one another and it's one-upmanship. He said, in the kingdom of heaven, it's not like that. Kingdom of heaven, it's about servant. Jesus in, in, in uh, John chapter 13 said, look, you call me Lord, notice what I did, I served you, you do the same. So the kingdom of heaven is not like a kingdom. See, we tend to think kingdom, and you're starting to get, I know you'll get wound up over this and start to think, ooh, it's all about authority and control. No, it isn't. See, because the kingdom of heaven, the king serves. 
You ever found a king that would wash people's feet? I don't think so. But we have one. He's our king. You ever had a king who'd lay his life down so you could be freed? I don't think so. But we have one. See? That's our king. That's why it's not hard to serve him. That's why these things aren't hard to follow. And that's why they're not, he's not hard to follow because he loves us. And he's shown it by demonstrating himself sacrificially. Any idea? Okay, well, here's another thing. Government, the values and the culture. The values and the culture. Because in a democracy, they constantly change. And what the majority want is what happens. So I can remember years ago, we talked about it before. And people used to stand up, but God save the queen. Now they don't do it at all. They don't want any shorts. They just want to go straight to the movie. We've got too busy. Get me out of here. You know, and, uh, and think about the situation of divorce. When I grew up, if a person committed adultery, it was actually, it was in the paper. It was such a scandalous thing that would erode the nation and family values. And so it was in the paper. I'm not saying whether that was good or bad. But now, of course, it happens all the time. No one even thinks about it. So you understand values are changing. So in, in a democracy, the values change, and the majority determine what the values will be. Hence, we have a lot of laws that maybe the majority don't necessarily uh, agree with, but it's been pushed through anyway. But uh, generally, uh, in, but in a kingdom, and of course, the king determines the values, and the values are absolute. So here, well, I think this is okay to live together. You know, well, I don't think it's going to... See, but in the kingdom of God, he just says straight something like this. Adultery is a sin. Fornication is a sin. Homosexuality is a sin. Pride is a sin. He just quite, it's black and white. It's never changed in, in 4,000, 6,000 years. Never changed. It's unchanging. So we, we're, the kingdom of heaven is unchanging in its culture, its values, its laws. It just doesn't change. What changes is our laws change, our values change, our culture changes. Before, if you're on a bus, a, a, a woman got on a bus, all the men would stand up and they'd have a seat. Elderly person get on a bus, all the men would stand up and they'd have a seat. Kids would stand up and let them have a seat. Not now. Culture's changed, and not for the better. Not for the better. See, so in a democracy, one of the dilemmas with a democracy is as the, the, as the character, as the people forsake accountability to God, and the character declines to do what people want, then the whole culture declines, and of course the majority rule. So in New Zealand, only 10% are Christian, and so uh, you have the majority or not, they actually begin to determine what the culture is. Interesting, isn't it? So in the kingdom of heaven, it's not a vote on the culture. It's not a vote on the laws. There's no vote whatsoever. It's just how it is. This is how it operates. So when Jesus was speaking in Matthew 6 or 5, 6, and 7 and gave his sermon on the mount, he said, this is how the kingdom operates. Blessed are the pure in heart, they shall see God. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, they'll receive the kingdom of heaven. You've heard people say, you shan't commit adultery. I tell you, look with lust in your heart, you've already committed it. So he began to outline how the kingdom operates. I encourage you to read Matthew 5 and have a look at it all. Okay, here's the last couple then. We'll just finish up. Uh, the, the last couple here are this representation. Representation. Now, representation. So, uh, representation. The government is voted in and the government is voted out. Don't we like that? That's one good thing about democracy. We don't like them, vote them out. You like them, vote them back in again. See, but in the kingdom, you can't vote the king out. You can't vote God out. He's the king because he's the king. So he's king by birth or by appointment, but he's a king. He's king because that's who he is. So you can't vote him in, can't vote him out. You never vote the king out. He's always there, and he's always going to be there. See? And the other thing is uh, that, of course, in, uh, when there's representation, the leaders are supposed to represent the people. Here's the leaders. So our elected leaders are supposed to represent us. 
But in the kingdom of God, get this, the people are supposed to represent the king. Think about that. So our leaders are supposed to represent us, but in the, in the kingdom of God, we're called to represent the king. So your mandate is to go into the earth and represent the king. Not represent yourself and your own thing. Represent the king. To stand and promote his values, his culture, his lifestyle, his ways, his, his principles of success in life. Firstly, by living them and modeling them. And secondly, by interacting powerfully with people and starting to engage them in a way that their lives are changed and you're truly salt and light. But religion will seek you to isolate and withdraw in case they infect us. But the Bible is quite different. It's just you. Greater is he in you than he that's in the world. Go out and infect them with it. It's good. See, see the, the thinking is so different. And finally, accountability. Uh, account, uh, uh, accountability goes like this. In, in democracy, they have a system of checks and balances. So you've kind of got laws and checkups and whatever. And the leaders give account to the people. And you have elections. So the leaders got to give an account to the people. But you know what? In the kingdom of heaven, it's not like that at all. It's absolutely completely different. See, the king's rule is absolute, and the people give account to the king. Aye, aye. Now listen. Every three years, the government gives account to the people. And you vote them in or vote them out. But in the kingdom, it's exactly the opposite. We give account to the king. Works exactly the opposite. So the Bible says in Romans 14... All of us should give account of our stewardship, how we've been as citizens of his kingdom, to the king that we might qualify for eternal reward. Challenge. What a difference. What a difference. See? Now, if you don't like the government, vote them out. Because you can't vote God out. And one day you have to stand before him, give account, what of? Of your stewardship. See? See? And so in the earth we have election ballot box, but in heaven there's a throne room and a place to go where God says it all about how things really are. You know something? It's not hard to seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness because we have a king that loved us and served us and demonstrated he's such a good king. Who wouldn't want to serve him? Who wouldn't want to put him first? Remember, all other governments will fail, but the kingdom of God lasts for eternity.